Hello and welcome to Case Reopened, the number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm Tyler. She's Colleen. Hello. Hello. So we're talking about Detective Conan episode 217, Megary's Sealed Secret Part 1. This is a big one. It is. Some backstory on Megary. Yes, this originally aired December 11th, 2000. The Conan's Hint was Accessories. And it kind of teases the case. It's been a while since we heard about the police department. Excitement builds in an ominous case. Yes, it does, kind of. Yeah, and it has been a while. I was like, when did we last see uh, Officer, what's her name? Saito. Is that her name? (laughs) Sato? Sato. See, it's been that long. I forgot what her name was. Are you just trying to like, ah, oh, Takagi's all to myself. You're not going to forget how to say his name. <laughs> no, but Takagi's Takagi. <laughs> so uh, how, how much did you remember this case? Because this is a, an iconic one. Uh, I recall it pretty well, but like the punchline, I guess. So like part two is probably the punchline was more memorable. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a big laugh. That's right. This is the big joke. This is just like them preparing for this joke. And Megary takes off his hat and everybody goes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's so funny. It's about, okay. Let me say the twist at the end. Cause they okay. kind of purposely lead us down a path that may not be what we're supposed to like that may not be what actually happened that was super vague. yeah it's, <laughs> it's all about the gang girl right now that's right so the episode begins with it raining outside and a woman who is in Ganguro fashion uh is using a payphone uh not, not to jump into it too quickly here but colleen give me for the fashion corner give me your thoughts on Ganguro. oh wow she's like very tanned. Uh, it's kind of defying traditional Japanese uh, like beauty standards. Yeah, for sure. So it's like a rebellious uh, fashion. Yeah, and it's usually like really crazy out of this world hair. Like I guess there's different levels, and Sonico kind of goes into that later on, right? So you've got sort of the tamer ones that are just like bleached hair and deep tans, and then they get like progressively darker tans, and then hair gets crazier. I don't know. I looked it up before we start recording and some of them are very um creative makeups like on the verge of kind of like fantasy sort of styles um i don't know it's really unique it's uh something that's very eye-catching that's for sure yeah and the name uh there's the further name of yamamba (laughs) if you will um, it's a reference to this yokai, um, who is Yamauba, if you will. And it's this, like, uh, like, old woman that gets all, like, darked and shriveled. I don't know too much about it, but, uh, um, that, that's kind of where the name comes okay. from for that. Seems like an appropriate name. So, yeah, I've heard... She's a mountain child. <laughs> so, yeah, I've heard, uh, in English... Like this whole subculture, they just, they call them gals. So I'm just going to call them that if we need to say it again. Our gals? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Where's the fellas? <laughs> I don't even know what the fellas would look like. Uh, yeah, Ganguro falls into the larger subculture of Gyaru from the English gal. 
slang term used for various groups of young women. <laughs> That's not specific. <laughs> I'm just going to call them gals. Yeah, because like, they use three different names. So I'm like, which one are these people? Like the, the three the three victims, I guess. Yeah. Like, they were part of different categories, if I can say that. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's been changing over time. Mamba, if you will, uh, became more extreme with multicolored, uh, using synthetic hair. In 2008, the fashion trend saw a darker tan with no facial stickers. Uh, here is neon bright, with pink being a favorite color. Wool, uh, emulating dreadlocks. Extensions and clips were worn to make hair appear longer. How exciting. I suppose, like, with our culture nowadays like on social media they could just have whole careers being gals it's like being well, these, like um, icons like they don't have to worry about like a nine to five job yeah but this died off uh pretty hard um so it kind of peaked in the the mid 90s late 90s so when this would have taken place like this is at the like tail end of it so apparently in like the 2000s it started dying out and uh I was looking at a, a video on YouTube, and it was like, The Last Gals of Japan's Ganguro Subculture. Aw, so you're telling me they're extinct. They're going extinct. They're going the way of the dodo. Oh, all right. They're like very tanned dodos. <laughs> That's that. Anyhow, um, so she's standing in a payphone. <laughs> so one of these dodos is standing in the payphone. Yeah, she makes a call, and she exits... And that's when we see a man holding a dented baseball bat, never a good sign, uh, approaches her as she leaves, and then he lifts it up to strike her. Um, let's just say things didn't go well. Super scary. This is this is a, a scary opening for Conan. Yeah, for sure. This was a pretty brutal. Um, I, I thought she had died there. <laughs> um, no, but, but gals are tough. She survived that one. Uh, they're not all that tough. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> One did not sit well. Yeah. Um, so the next day we see Sonico and Ron shopping. Sonico is looking for a sweater that is supposed to be for Makoto. <laughs> the scene was great. Um, she, and Ron's like, oh, why don't you get this one? She's like, no, it has to be hand-knitted. <laughs> and it turns out that she had told Makoto that she was knitting him a sweater in a letter. And she said... Oh, I'm making a sweater for the person I like. So she was, like, coy about it. She didn't specifically say it was for yeah, him. Yeah, and Makoto's kind of, like, dense when it comes to the romantic stuff. So he probably didn't catch on that it was for him. Um, And so she tried to do it herself, but in very, like, Sonica fashion. She found it too difficult. And she's like, I'm just going to buy one. <laughs> right. I have oodles of money, so why am I bothering even making one? He won't know the better. Ron agrees to keep her secret. And Sonico talks about the situation. She hopes that Makoto panics a bit until he receives the gift. And then he's like, oh, she likes me. I'm the person. She then complains that Makoto doesn't express his feelings and that she doesn't have the courage to ask him directly yet. She then asks Ron if she knows how Shinichi feels about her. Um, so Ron gets nervous. She's like, oh, I want to know. And then Sonico says, you're probably saying, I want to ask, but I'm afraid to know the answer. That's how I feel right now. So she starts mocking her. This was a fun scene. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
uh, a red-faced Conan then interrupts and asks if he can go to the parking garage to wait with Kogro. He's he's had too much of like, girl talk for the day. Yeah, that was that's actually what made it like ten times funnier that because <laughs> we didn't didn't see Conan for, throughout the, that entire interaction. So the fact that he was there for that was great. Yeah, keeping him off screen was a very good choice there. Uh, after meeting up with Kogoro, they both agree that women take too much time shopping. Tell me about it. Always yapping. Well, excuse me. Kogoro then spots an attractive woman wearing a miniskirt that exits a payphone, and she's dropped her ballpoint pen. He picks it up, he goes to approach the woman, he's like, oh, here we go, some good news finally. And he's like, I have an opportunity. He says, oh, miss, I have something that belongs to you. And he puts his hand on her shoulder, and the woman grabs it, and then uh, does a judo throw to put him on the ground. She starts applying an arm lock. Meguri, Takagi, and several other police members all appear out of nowhere and jump on Kagero. <laughs> Meguri was, like, behind a pile of trash. This was a very good scene. So you, you kind of know immediately that something's going to be up because Kogro's wearing an outfit he's never worn before. So you're like, okay. <laughs> it's a chilly day. Yeah. I mean, what can I say? But he looks like a thug, I guess. I guess he would looks like the culprit that they thought he was. He looks like a flasher. Oh, yeah, because of that big trench coat. Yeah. And he's like a beanie on. I don't know. It just was not your typical Kogoro look. Colleen sees a beanie and she's like, <laughs> Right, that's the telltale sign. That's your fashion corner. <laughs> Newsflash. Turns out that they're investigating a case that involves several women being attacked. And Kogoro was mistaken for the suspect. Kogoro says the suspect is shorter than him at 150 centimeters, so the mistake shouldn't have happened. But Takagi and Meguri are like, well, the attitude you had was uh, very special. <laughs> Let's just say he deserved it. They're saying he looked like a creep. It was the beanie. Sato, say, yeah, Sato agrees and says she felt like she was in danger. And Kogoro calls them all rude. Uh, they're having a difficult time investigating this, as the only common link between the victims is that they were wearing fashionable clothes. <laughs> it would be funny if they're like, two of them were fashionable, the other one, ugh. Ugh, not so much. Not really. She needs help. She needs a queer eye for the straight guy. Yeah. Or the straight, the straight gal. gal. There you go, that works. They then bring out pictures of each woman. The first was Mizutani Ryoko who was attacked two weeks ago. She was waiting in her car at a red light when another car rear-ended her and then attacked her after she exited. The second was Endo Hitomi, who was struck by a metal bat ten days ago as she was exiting a public restroom in a park. Finally, the woman from last night was uh, Ishiguro Michiko, who was attacked exiting a phone booth. They share nothing in common except their fashionable clothing. Kogoro takes a look, and he points out that all three of them are mixed race. Like, they grew up in a jungle or something. <laughs> like, it was bad enough, the first part of that comment. But it, like, he didn't need, did not need to add on the jungle part. Yeah, and everybody's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Like, like let's ignore him. This is even a bad comment in like uh, two thousand. Like they're all like, "What? What? What are you saying, Kagura?" They're, they just look at him like what? blank stares. All of them. A jungle. Uh, Sonica then appears out of nowhere. She takes a look at the photos and says, "Oh, these Gingura look amazing. Look at these gals." She says to Colleen's delight. <laughs> Speaking my language, Sonico. Sato explains that this Yamamba style is currently fashionable, and Kegoro has to act like he knows what this is. Sato. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, Yamamba. Yeah, Yamamba. This, this from the guy yeah. who five seconds ago were like, oh, all these girls are from the jungle. Are they from the jungle? Sato and Takagi discuss there being no cases like this before, but Kegoro says there was one where a string of female high school students were being ran over by cars. Megari has this dark expression on his face. It's like you can hear like uh, the sounds of sadness playing and like he's going through some some trauma in his mind. Kegura tries to remember the case but says it was before his time as an officer and can't quite place it. Megary's like, oh, anyways, let's, uh, we gotta get back to the investigation. But Sato, you are no longer a decoy. And he tells them to find a connection among the victims again to continue looking for that. Uh, before that can happen, Sonico gets a phone call from Ron, who can't find the exit of the department store and is lost in the underground parking oh, lot. Oh, Ron. Classic Ron. Because she doesn't have her flashlight to guide the way. Kind of notices that the ring, necklace, and bracelet that Sonico is wearing is similar to those worn by the women in the photos. He asks where she bought them, and she says they were complimentary gifts from the department store they just went to. And for every 10,000 yen you spent, you got to choose one of the accessories. So, of course, she has all three. <laughs> I was just about to say, how many sweaters did she buy? Well, she doesn't know which one to choose. She's definitely the type to, like, buy four things when she needs one outfit so she can just decide later. Oh yeah, completely. Much like you, Colleen. Yes, Sonico and I are quite alike in that respect. We get And we well, want they... to maximize all the free deals. I feel that. So, while they aren't wearing the entire set, all three women were wearing a piece that matches Sonico's jewelry. So they finally found a connection. They were all shopping at the department store. And just as they realize that, Ron happens across a bloodied Gengar woman bleeding from the forehead, and she screams. She then tells Kogura what happened, and they all rush over. We finally have a murder. Finally. That's what you were waiting for. So finally, somebody's dead. Uh, the victim is a 20-year-old, Aizawa Tai. She worked at the department store until a year ago. She's currently unemployed. They believe it's the same culprit and that it was done with somebody with a grudge against the department store. Like, what a funny <laughs> concept being like, oh, this department store. It's just some person standing in front of them, like, waving their fist, like, I'm gonna get you guys. I'm gonna get ya. So, Aizawa's boyfriend, Shirakawa Noriyuki, cries out, and we learn that his father owns the department store. He currently works at a restaurant inside, and we meet a waitress there, Kana Yuri. Turns out that Noriyuki was engaged to the victim, but his father was opposed to it. There's always so much family drama. Yeah, indeed. Who knew he was, like, 
department store rich families. Never heard that before. Ron mentions the guard that she passed by and we meet him. He's a 43-year-old named Sadakane Yoshio. He says he went to the restroom earlier, so the killer must have entered then. Classic, you know. Oh, it happened when he wasn't looking. We then meet Noriyuki's father. He suspects the guard and says that he worked at a rival department store until half a year ago. (laughs) This is so goofy. Like, the department store business is so serious that they're going to send a guard over to another store, have him work there for six months, and then finally they'll let a murder happen on their case just to cause some panic. Yep. To ruin the reputation of this department store. Yeah, this is absolutely nuts. But, despite this, the owner is pretty positive about the whole situation. He says, well, at least now Noriyuki can get a new girlfriend. And he looks at his son and he says, this time, how about finding a nice girl with a clean slate? So, uh, what a dick. Judgmental much. Well, I mean, when we learn what happened... I mean, you know, probably right to be a bit judgmental. Yeah, I guess. I mean, at this point, we're just like, like, so he's prejudiced against the gal subculture? That's all all I was thinking. So Kiger asks what he meant by that, and Yuri mentions that Aizawa was in an automobile accident a year ago in this parking garage, and she ran over a little boy and then gave up her job afterwards. Yeah, the classic, oh, I killed somebody, I can't go into work this week. Right, I quit. (laughs) Sate remembers the case as Yumi uh, told her about it. Turns out the boy was waiting for his mother when she stepped in front of, when when he stepped in front of a car and was hit. While the driver was moving slow, the boy's vitals were hit, and he died three days later. And then she says, oh, I remember his name, uh, Sakurai Akira, of course. How would you know the name of, a, like, just a random murder case you read about? I guess it made an impact. Yeah, it made an impact once you ran into <laughs> Thanks for picking up on that. So, uh, Kogur asked Noriyuki how tall his father is, and he says a bit over 150 centimeters. That's the height, Colin. Oh, look at that. That's what we're looking for. He gets everybody else's heights. Noriyuki is 173 centimeter. Yuri is 144. And the guard is 167. Not a match. Suspicious. suspects the owner, especially since he had a grudge. Meguri asked the owner uh, if he was at the... uh, Meguri asked if the owner was at the restaurant before the murder occurred, as he was supposed to meet Noriyuki there. But it turns out that he didn't show up on time. So he asked Aizawa to see if he was in the parking garage. Like, hey, babe, my dad's not here. Can you just, like, look around the parking garage for him? Maybe he's there. There's lots of stuff happening in this parking garage. You know, sometimes you like to just walk around in the parking garage and look at the cars. Yeah. (laughs) He does this a lot. While the guard's not looking. I mean, don't worry. You definitely won't get murdered there. It's it's the safest parking garage in town. Yeah, we have one guard, um, and he never pee, he just pees his pants. He'll be he totally never takes safe. Breaks. 
It's a great place. Megary mentions that the other suspect said the attacker was 150 centimeters. This causes Noriyuki to cry out. He says, you even knew the culprit's height, so why can't you catch them? If he had caught the culprit, Ty wouldn't be dead. Ty is dead, and it's the fault of the police. You police are all useless. A cab. He said this. Um, he's not wrong. Megary's taken aback by these words, and we get like <laughs> we go inside his mind, inside the mind of Megary. Yeah, never been we there see before. His flashbacks. <laughs> uh, his flashback sees uh, this young woman there talking to him, and she says, "Why are you surprised?" I said I was going to play decoy. We then see her bloodied, and she says, Guess it didn't go smoothly like in the movies, huh? <laughs> this is so, like, a melodramatic and very oh, completely. funny reading it back. Megary then drops to a knee, and he starts holding <laughs> he's his head. Now. Like he's having a bad headache. Um... Takagi and Sato ask if he's alright, and he says, there's nothing. And he stands back up. Oh, he's tough. Yuri apologizes for her friend's outburst, but he says it's fine, as what he said was true. They then exit to cool off, and the guard goes back to his post so he can continue being the world's worst guard. (laughs) Well, he had his one potty break for the month, so back to work. Conan asks again about the height. And it turns out that only the first and third victims said he was about 150 centimeters. The second victim was suddenly attacked from behind and didn't see the assailant. Both were certain about the height, though, as they said the attacker was roughly the same height as them. And they took their measurements down at the precinct. They were 151 centimeters and 153 centimeters, respectively. Good to know. Lots of heights. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you were keeping track. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, it seemed important. It probably did. It probably was. I was just like, okay, well, like once they get the culprit, I'll just, I guess I'll know how, how tall he is. So, Ron then says that there's something weird, but she can't quite figure out what is wrong about the victim. Sonica agrees, but she can't place it. Conan then says that the second victim's clothing is weird, and she asks why she has a man's coat on her shoulders. Takagi's like, oh, that's that's my coat. She was cold. <laughs> yep. I gave it to her. Explanation. There you go. Kind of overthinking it. <laughs> kind of goes, huh, I wonder why she was cold. <laughs> why was she wearing such skimpy clothing? Kogoro has an Kogoro. explanation for that as well. <laughs> yeah, he says, you're an idiot. It's fashionable for girls not to wear much. Show some skin. I mean, that's definitely what Kogoro would want. He's not wrong. Uh, so Takagi mentions that she was sleeveless, so it's far too cold. Jeez, girl. Like, okay, so you've already been assaulted. Now the police are, like, insulting your fashion choices? <laughs> a tough week for to be a gal. Yeah. Oh, well, considering one died. Uh, Conan says that maybe she was someplace warm... And then plan to go back there after using the restroom. Like inside her car. This is the big mind-blowing moment. Maybe before she was at this location, she was inside a car. 
So we get this payoff after this like long, seemingly random side conversation by Conan. Megary remarks that the first and third victims were also attacked right after leaving their cars. And that the fourth, of course, is in a parking garage. So they all involve cars. Oh my gosh. There's our other connection. Which is kind of weird. Like, not weird, but it's just like, oh my gosh, this case is all about cars. (laughs) It's like. Wow. Really? The case has been cracked. Yeah. Case closed. Kokoro wonders if the owner is no longer suspicious, but Megari says he can't rule him out just yet. We then see Superintendent Matsumoto, who is the heavily scarred, scary-looking police chief who we saw at the Gene Brad murder yeah. case. He was the dad. Just comes out of nowhere. Like, hey, guys. Yeah, he just, hey, thanks for helping, Kokoro. This is Megari. The media is saying that this is the start of a serial murder spree. Pull back. Start the investigation again tomorrow. So he wants uh, to delay the case? I don't know. <laughs> Guys, you need to look so at you... this with fresh eyes tomorrow morning. Oh. Sato agrees and says she, uh, she will disguise as a ganguro and act as a decoy inside her car. And that's when Megari snaps. He says, didn't I tell you? No more decoys. Wow. What do you think about this? He was. Uh, this, I've never seen Megary show so much emotion. <laughs> yeah. Just period. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. Yeah, it was very out of character for him. So, like, definitely, um, you know, trying to tell us that there's something up. Like, pay attention to those flashbacks and stuff like that yeah it's they're really drawing attention to this whatever whatever it is that's going on it's kind of mysterious at this point it's a real shame that the english dub didn't didn't like reach as far because imagine how funny like brooklyn backs <laughs> and like new york mcguire would be about this yeah it's a tragedy that we're gonna miss well that we are missing out on that Megary then asked the superintendent to let him investigate a little longer today as he has the feeling that the culprit is still around here somewhere. And he's like, sure. <laughs> sure, Megary, but are you still thinking back to that case from before? About what it is you hide away from under your hat? <laughs> They're so suspicious about what Megary is hiding here. Like, what could he be hiding under his hat? Bald head. <gasps> Megary's bald? <laughs> so, Megary then remembers holding the young-bloodied woman in his arms. What, what did you think about this glimpse at, like, a young Megary? <laughs> I mean... He had nice hair then. I mean, yeah, it's just old Megary, but with hair. <laughs> Uh, and he says that's not it, but the superintendent doesn't really seem convinced as the episode ends, and Beggary, like, rubs his head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, super dramatic ending in a parking lot. I don't know, it's just kind of when you take things out of context and just realize, yeah, they're all standing around a parking garage, and, like, Beggary has a headache. It kind of, like, just makes it really silly. Yeah, the melodrama, like, recounting it is uh, very goofy, but uh, in the moment, this all worked very well. It did, very, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we're very purposely intense making fun of it, but it works. 
yeah, this was a good good start to the case. Uh, really great start to a two-parter. Um, and before we give our thoughts on it, um, let's give special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Shout out to Medium Size Jeffrey, Ryan Self, William Lee, Gage, and Kitty Cuda. Thank you so much for the support. Yeah, thank you guys. We couldn't do this without you. So, Colleen, what do you think about Megary's Sealed Secret Part 1? Yeah, um, so as you alluded to before, this is sort of a memorable case. So I did recall where we were headed. I guess I didn't really remember every little detail, like some of the weird stuff Kogro was saying and what he was on about. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good start to the case. Like it blended well. Like there's so much that was going on that seemingly like had nothing to do with one another, like Sonico and Ron shopping and then all the the string of like assaults of the gals and then uh, Megary's, whatever is going on with Megary. But somehow they're all like they're not clashing they're just meshing well together so i think it really works um and uh yeah it's just it's like heightening this intrigue okay like what's what's up with megary because we don't like this is probably the first time that we've gotten something from his perspective in terms of like a memory um so it kind of gives another it makes him a little bit more three-dimensional instead of just like this standard okay prototype of a police officer character so yeah it's it's really great to get that um different angle from you know a secondary character and the i mean it's interesting that they also chose to highlight the uh the gal subculture because they haven't done it before and yeah like detective conan's just because it's so long long running it has the privilege of being able to explore all sorts of things in Japanese culture, so um, yeah, it's interesting that they decide to uh, to focus on this one in this particular two-parter. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and since it is so long-running, going on for you know like twenty-five years and keep on going, we get to see a lot of trends, you know, emerge that are, you know become dated, but they're like very interesting uh, touchstones. Um, and it's very interesting getting a look at the culture, even if it's, you know, pretty surface level, it's definitely like a good bouncing off point for people to do their own research. And that's definitely one of the most interesting parts of Conan for sure is, you know, learning briefly about something and then there's so much rabbit holes mm-hmm. you can go down. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like a, the, the Yamambe nave uh, tying into, you know, like a yokai legend and folklore. Um, so there's definitely a lot of interesting ways to kind of interact with Conan um, and rabbit holes to go under. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that part of the thing. And like you said, it's always great when we get more uh, like backstory on the supporting characters and God knows with a thousand plus episodes, most people, if you're anybody within Conan, will get some character moments um, to further flesh them out. So it's great to see a little bit more of Megary and we'll learn more about his strife and trauma. Like 600 uh, episodes from now, we're going to get backstory on this parking garage guard. He's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely fun. Um good episode very good episode excited to see 
what happens in part two. And the next kind of tent is thick-soled boots, which is exciting. And then I also really wanted to quickly mention that it's just it was fun in this episode seeing Megary act so unlike himself. You clearly see him kind of snapping. Uh, it's a, a different look for somebody that's usually so confident. Yeah, he's definitely out of sorts. So, we will cover Detective Conan Episode 218, Megary's Sealed Secret Part 2 next time. So, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, tune in for that. Thanks for listening this time. And remember, one truth always prevails.